It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. How's everyone this morning? Some very active people out there going along Graham Farmer Freeway and it's just really weird to be driving and then seeing this other side, just thousands of people walking and jogging and people pulling hammies and oh, it was just so good. But there's a bit of exercise happening here. This is a very fit community, fit uh, in all aspects of the word. Uh, Just so good to be here and to introduce, I mean, this is called a mini-series. It's going over two weeks called Miracles. And I'm going to start off with the idea of waiting for a miracle. Some of you will be thinking, well, if Rob finishes on time, that, that, that will be America, <laughs> third go over. Anyone second? No. Okay, to start things off, I'm going to need your help. I, I need you, I'm going to say a few statements that are a little bit out there, a little bit crazy, and I'd like you to respond together with, a, yeah, a little bit of passion saying, it's a miracle. So it'll make sense once we start. So, so let's start off with this one and get ready for the response. Pauline Hanson will be the next Prime Minister of Australia. The next one, just build it up a little bit more. Australia will win the 2026 FIFA World Cup. President Putin withdraws his troops from the Ukraine. The Rolling Stones have finally retired. Now, when we use the word, it's a miracle, I think for a lot of us Aussies, we don't really think about divine intervention because a lot of Aussies don't believe in God. But when a lot of people say, oh, it's a miracle, they think it's very unlikely, it's against all odds, um, that I'd have to see it to believe it. But in this series, we're going to look at the word or this idea of miracles from a biblical kingdom perspective. And I want us to go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, to the beginning of time as we know it. And I'd like to make a statement that there wasn't really need for a miracle. Because you had a perfect man married to a perfect woman. Together they had a perfect relationship with God. And they're living on a perfect planet. We can't relate to that. Particularly a lot of women know that I am not married to a perfect man and we know that our planet is not perfect and our relationship with God is not perfect. And so because of sin and the impact of sin and our rebellion against God, we're in a time where we actually need a miracle. Before it was just every moment of every day was supernatural. Like there was never a time where Adam prayed to God, oh look, I think there's a little bit of arthritis setting in my knee, could you? No, he never had to ask for healing. Eve never prayed to God, look, I gave my husband a list of things to do and he interpreted them as suggestions and there's a little bit of conflict. Can you, you know, it's just, everything was perfect. But here we are, 21st century, and 
throughout the history of humanity, we need a miracle. For some of us here, we have someone close to us, a friend, a family member, and they need the miracle of salvation. They haven't yet repented, as Andrew was saying. They haven't, they're not yet in that relationship with God, and we are praying, oh God, may today be the day of salvation. For others, there's, it could be your own health or someone else's health, and we're praying for healing. We're praying for deliverance. We're praying for restoration. We're praying for recovery. We're praying for financial breakthrough. And so quite often, even in this community, there are a number of people here today who need a miracle for themselves, a friend, or a family member. So let's now look at the life of Jesus here on the earth. And we're going to spend time looking at Jesus and Jesus' understanding and display of miracles. And if you look at the two bookends of the life of Jesus here on the earth, both bookends are miraculous. His conception, miraculous, uh, Paul Joseph, sorry, we don't need you. The Holy Spirit planted a seed in the womb of a virgin teenage girl. I mean, that's crazy. And then the other bookend is Jesus' ascension back into heaven as the sinless Son of God, Son of Man. So both bookends of the life of Jesus on planet Earth was miraculous. But then if we... Focus on the three, three and a half years when he was ministering and ushering in the kingdom of God. Miracle after miracle after miracle. There's some 30 miracles recorded in the Gospels or the biographies or the stories of Jesus. John, and I'm glad John wrote this in John 21, 25. He said Jesus did many other things as well, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So we have a record of about 30 miracles. And of course, some of those references are actually references of multitudes of people being healed. And so we, it's really hard to, to think, well, I wonder how many miracles Jesus did. Well, we know he turned water into wine. Still would have, he would have been a really... Um, unpopular guest if you turn the wine into water but anyhow I'm, I'm glad I'm really glad <laughs> I mean Jesus obviously thought hey this party's just got started I don't know uh, and then you look at all, some of the other miracles uh, the, the miraculous catch of fish remember you know disciples fishing all night and they're, they're mending their nets they're getting ready and then the carpenter comes itinerant preacher oh guys haven't caught any fish it's like oh gosh amateur and then Jesus says, why don't you go out? It's like, no, I don't think so. That, it's not really a good time. Go out into the deep. Oh, because you say so, and then a miraculous catch of fish. It was just incredible. And, you know, and then there's walking on water, calming the storm, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. It's just the whole life of Jesus was absolutely miraculous. So I'd like to bring a, a, a few things to our attention about miracles and waiting for a miracle. The first one is I'd like to talk about the atmosphere of faith. As students at school, we learnt about this you know, thing surrounding planet Earth called atmosphere. And apparently it's made up of nitrogen, water, carbon dioxide and a few other elements. But you know, it plays a very important role. 
And there are times we use the atmosphere in a different sort of way. We, we'll talk about the atmospheres, like the atmosphere in this place. It's an atmosphere of faith and expectancy. You go to a restaurant, and apart from wanting there to be good food and good service, it really helps if the ambience or the atmosphere is just, oh, it's very conducive to eating really good food. Um, everything from the decor, the colours, the, the soft lighting, maybe a bit of live music, a little bit of jazz, Nora Jones or something playing in the background, and some artwork and freshly cut flowers, or whatever it works, but just that sense of, you know, where... We've got senses and, and we appreciate going to a place and all of our senses are alive and it's just like, wow, atmosphere. Well, it's interesting when we look at the ministry of Jesus, we can conclude that God's kingdom comes in power optimally in an atmosphere of faith. And one of the best examples of that is found in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 to 42, then there's a little bit of an interruption. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then verse 49 to 56. And it's a story about a time when Jesus had this very hectic ministry schedule on the east side of the Galilee. That's a whole other story. Arrives back on the west side. And he's met by a multitude of people because at this stage, people know that Jesus does miraculous things, there are miracles. But there's a guy, a prominent leader in this synagogue called Jairus, and he got Jesus' attention said, quick, come quickly, my 12-year-old daughter is gravely ill. And so Jesus says, okay, let's, let's go. And so Jesus arrives at the home and there is wailing and commotion, not because the girl is sick, but because of this little delay, Jesus is a little bit late. Missed it by that much. And so he got there maybe 15 minutes late, whatever, but the girl has now died. And there are people crying and wailing. And Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. The next part of the story is fascinating. Jesus takes charge of the household and says to all these people who are mourning and wailing, if you could leave the room, please. Love your compassion, but something's about to happen, and I need faith. So they leave, and they're doing it. They're going outside. Jairus, possibly his wife, and then he brings in three of his disciples. Not all of them, just Peter, James, and John. Comes in, the whole atmosphere has changed. From wailing, she's dead. We're going to have to wait for the future resurrection. And Jesus says, well, simply says these words, Little girl, arise. And you can only imagine this cold, lifeless body all of a sudden. And you can imagine the three disciples go. And Jesus, to be the parents, already thinking of, oh, our daughter, our daughter. And, you know, and it's just... A key factor, Jesus had faith. Why, why did he need the people to leave? Because Jesus on the earth has sovereignly allowed himself to be limited. He's got faith. He needs the parents to have faith. Jairus, believe. She's only asleep. It's okay. But I need these people who are good people. I want them out. 
because I don't want wailing. I don't want unbelief. I am believing in a miracle and it requires an atmosphere of faith. Peter was so impressed that we find in Acts chapter something, um, (laughs) something, Acts chapter 9 verse 40, there was a lady, godly lady called Dorcas. She had also was very sick, but when he got there, she had died. And he also, uh, if you people, you people, you people could leave, because I saw Jesus do it. We need not just my faith, we need an atmosphere of faith. I don't want any unbelief. You always think, but Jesus can, it's just about Jesus. We just need his faith. Well, listen to Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. And so Jesus did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. So when it comes to expecting a miracle and the times we've got to wait for a miracle, one thing is very, very important, and that is having an atmosphere of faith. So how do we do that today? Well, we've been doing it, and we are doing it. When we come here on a Sunday, for a lot of us, our faith took a bit of a hit during the week. But we come together, my faith and your faith, with all of our doubts and our struggles, but all of our expectancy and our faith and, and everything else, and we all come together and we sing songs to God, for God, because of God, about God, and, and we just forget about our world, what's happening, and it's just, as Andrew said, we're going to turn our breath into praise and we are building an atmosphere of faith. And then whether it's Louis or Mark, you know, these faith ninjas come up and this middle part might seem, it's just, you know, a couple of announcements or just a verse. No, it is building faith, building expectation, the preaching of the Word. It doesn't matter if it's Mark or Rob or Steve, Louis, whoever. It's coming from the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing the Word. And so there's the building up of faith. And then we hang out afterwards and we have coffee and we talk and sometimes the conversation seems, oh, it's about the footy and the weather, but God is wholly present. Then when we leave, we carry this atmosphere of faith and we take that atmosphere and we bring it into our homes, we bring it to the cafe, we bring it to the gym, we bring it to our schools, we bring it to the workplace. We, we are carriers of this atmosphere of faith. There's also the touch of faith. Sometimes there's a sense of, you know, you know we, we need some time, we need to gather, there needs to be the atmosphere of faith. But other times it's just the simple touch of faith. We read in Luke chapter 6 verse 19, And the whole multitude sought to touch Jesus, for power went out from him, him and healed them all. So there was this understanding, we don't actually need Jesus to touch us. If we just touch him, now we come to the interruption of that first miracle with Jesus going to see Jairus' daughter. While Jesus was going to see Jairus' daughter, this woman in the crowd thought, if I just touch, not his shoulder, his hand, his feet, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be healed. She has been very ill for 12 years. The Bible is very, fairly polite in just saying she has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. I don't think it's a nosebleed. 
I think she has been bleeding as a woman for 12 years. Because she's been bleeding, she cannot go into the temple to worship because according to law of Moses, a woman who is bleeding at that time of the month for her, that time of the year, of the year, of the year, of the year, you cannot go into the temple. You are spiritually impure. You need to, after that time, you, you, you're, you're washed and then you can go back to church. Glad we don't do that now. Anyhow, as she touched the hem of the garment, Jesus went, whoa, who touched me? Now, if you're one of the disciples and you're in this marketplace, this busy laneway, and there are hundreds of people bumping into you and Jesus says, who touched me? I think you'd be, uh, <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> That's it's like, you know, leaving Optus Stadium after an amazing derby when West Coast are actually performing a lot better than they are now. But imagine this classic derby, 60,000 people, and you're walking out, and I say uh, to Paul, hey, who touched me? Rob, look around, mate. Everyone's touching you. It's called a crowd. It's called life. But Jesus, it's interesting, verse 46 in the New Living Translation, it says, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. It was a touch of desperation, brokenness, and faith. Someone touched me, and the woman was immediately healed. The atmosphere of faith, the touch of faith. Here is the question. What happens when we need a miracle, whatever it is, salvation, healing, recovery for us, for someone else, and we come every Sunday and there's this atmosphere of faith and we're receiving, we're giving, we've got people praying for us and with us. We've got you know, all these people praying and we can't literally touch Jesus anymore, but we can touch heaven with our prayer and heaven's touching us. What happens when we do all of that and there is no breakthrough? There is no healing. And we would be very tempted to start writing a narrative called disappointment with God. I'm still waiting. The time God was late. Waiting, waiting, waiting. The story for this particular point, which is the main point, is from John chapter 11. Verse 1 to 44, I'm not going to read it. I'm not the fastest reader on planet Earth and it will take way too long. But it's a story of a time when Mary and Martha, very good friends of Jesus from Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, they sent word about their brother. But they're very clever, the sisters. They didn't say, oh, quick, Jesus, come to Bethany uh, because our brother is ill. They sent word to Jesus saying, oh, Jesus... Your good friend, obligation, your good friend Lazarus is gravely ill, knowing that as soon as he gets word, he will immediately drop everything and come to Bethany to heal his best mate, Lazarus. Huh. We read in verse 5 of John chapter 11 from the, the Message Bible, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when you heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was two more days. 
well, what's that all about? They believe, they just know a touch, you know, that there's an atmosphere of faith. Hmm. Can't make it at the moment. So the first point I'd like to make as we're looking at waiting for a miracle is God is not in a hurry. I am. We are. When my daughter Emily was 16, 17 and diagnosed with type 1 diabetes who has an extreme phobia of needles and to this day Karen and I will never forget the hysterical scream from Emily when we said the blood test has revealed you have type 1 diabetes. We started praying. We got the elders to pray. My parents started praying. Karen's parents started praying. The church started praying. Our pastor friends started praying. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying, month after month, year after year. And we're still waiting. God's not under pressure to perform. Jesus understood clearly I am not here to please people. As much as I love Lazarus and his sisters, I only do what I see the Father doing. And for whatever reason, when Jesus was seeking the Father, it's just, he's not doing it just now. God is not in a hurry. Next point, God is always on time. We read in verse 21, both Mary and Martha, when Jesus arrived, it's not arriving now to a sick person, he arrives to a dead person. And both of the girls said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Interpretation, Jesus, you're late and your lateness has cost our brother his life. We still love you. We still believe in you. We're just at the moment really, really hurting. If only. Which begs the question, if Jesus loved Lazarus, why didn't he come immediately? All we can say is God is never late. He's always on time. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are wiser. And his timing is superior. Now we're going to make a landing. God's purposes will be fulfilled. Delay doesn't mean inactivity. When we're waiting for our miracle... God is not asleep. He is at work. But sometimes the work is hidden and it's silent and it's beyond human understanding. And this is where faith comes into this time of waiting where we haven't seen our daughter healed. But is there the possibility that something else is happening God is at work. His purposes will be fulfilled, his time, his way, and to his glory. About two weeks ago, my wife and I went to visit our daughter, Emily, 
in Sydney. She's been married for a few years. And we celebrated her daughter's first birthday. What makes it even more miraculous is when she was about 17 and saw one of the specialists. The specialist says, because the number of other autoimmune issues you have, you need to be aware you probably won't fall pregnant. You will never be a mother. That's a lot for a 17-year-old girl to absorb. Probably too much information, but in the first month of trying, my daughter fell pregnant. Still has her diabetes, but a baby was born, though it wasn't meant to be. And I can't articulate it, but when I'm with my daughter, I just know that I know that I know Something is happening in her life and her husband's life that is beyond the healing. It's almost like there is a miracle that isn't the miracle we're praying for. There is something unfolding that is so awesome and incomprehensible from a parent's point of view. But we just trust that there is another narrative been written in heaven to the glory of God. Now, if I was God, I would have healed Emily straight away. But I'm not, thank God. <laughs> but for Mary and Martha, the delay was costly. Jesus comes and it's like, I'm not here to heal your brother. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe in the future. Do you believe this now? Because there's a bigger picture. What could be bigger than being late? My, my brother's dead. Lead me to the grave. Lead me to the cave. Roll away the stone. Lazarus, come out. He had to say the name because other dead people would start walking out if he just said, but he said, Lazarus, and only Lazarus, come out. He came out with the, the clothes and then got, you know, Jesus said, okay, remove the grave clothes. Oh, there, there was something else going on that was much bigger than the healing of their brother. It was the resurrection of their brother. But wait, no, there's a bigger picture because the time will come and Jesus will visit Lazarus, Mary and Martha again in Bethany. Mary will anoint the feet of Jesus with very expensive perfume. She's going to waste all of her life savings on this one moment, not knowing in a little while Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified on the third day. He's going to be raised to life and that changed Everything. So the miracle we are waiting for, it's understandable to be frustrated, to be disappointed, to, to be grieving, to be confused. All I want to do, all Holy Spirit wants to do this morning is that's one narrative and it's understandable but today, Holy Spirit wants, us, wants to present another narrative. To stay in a place 
of wonder, curiosity, and appreciation. Delay invites us to trust. To trust in the waiting and to trust that God is at work in the delay and his purposes will be fulfilled, even if it's not the miracle we are praying for. There is something else going on that at the moment doesn't make sense, but maybe, just maybe, one day it will. I will still pray for my daughter for healing. But until that time, I can say by the grace of God and through a very long journey, I'm in the place of wonder and curiosity. Oh God, what are you doing in my daughter, my son-in-law and my granddaughter? I believe you are the resurrection and the life and something is happening and it's glorious and I appreciate it and I'm staying in a place of wonder and curiosity and that is the miracle. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And for every person here and every person represented in this community of faith, for those of us who are waiting for a miracle, help us to keep believing, but may we go from a place of resentment and confusion and disappointment to a place of wonder and curiosity. God is on the move. I am living the miracle. We are living the miracle right here, right now, to the glory of God. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.